Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So if you were here uh, with us last week, I shared a couple of stories from our time in Gulf Shores, Alabama uh, on our vacation. And so if you'll humor me, I want to share one more story this morning as we open things up this morning. So while we most certainly went to Gulf Shores so that we could go to the beach, there were also other things that, that we could do in the city as well. And one of those things was we could go to an escape room. Now, if you don't know what an escape room is, if you haven't heard of an escape room, maybe you've heard of MacGyver, right? Because what you do is you go into this room and you try and find all of these clues and you try and solve all of these riddles so that you can MacGyver your way out of that room, right? So that you can can work your way through that room, navigate through it successfully, and there are multiple rooms that you have to work through, and you are on a timer, right? You only have a certain length of of time to escape from that room, and and we had one hour. So the first night that we went to that escape room, we got locked in, the timer started, and we began searching for all of those clues and and going through these riddles, trying to, to figure stuff out. And I'll be honest, we did not realize how difficult it was going to be, right? These clues and these riddles were a lot harder than we expected. And to be honest, with four of us in there sharing all of our thoughts and opinions of what this could be, it was very complicated and confusing for us. And while we got very close to the end, the timer did in fact run out before we escaped. So it turns out that no one in the Skinner family is in the running to be the next MacGyver, all right? (laughs) But even though we were defeated in that first room, the kids really wanted to try the second room another night that week. And against our better judgment as parents, we agreed, (laughs) all right? But the second night was different. Uh, The room was actually much harder, but the, the host, the girl running the room, was a different girl. And we told the girl before we went in, we failed miserably last time. And so I think that she just wanted to help us out because uh, as we're in the room, there's a TV in the corner that had the timer running on it just to remind us how poorly we we were doing. But but also the girl kept putting hints up for us. And, And I don't just mean a little bit of hints. She was putting hint after hint after hint up there for us, right? Now, the, the riddles were just as complicated or, or more complicated. The, the clues were just as confusing or even more confusing. But when she gave us those hints, things became clear for us. And I'm happy to say that we escaped that second escape room. And, and I'm glad that we did because I don't know if I would have been able to show my face around here had we <laughs> failed twice, right? So we're in a series right now titled Rooted, and as we're going through this series, we're just walking through the book of Colossians, and and as we think about this life, while we aren't in an escape room, we are in this world, And, and while we aren't faced with a bunch of clues and riddles, we are faced with the agendas of this world and the lies from the enemy, and, and, and quite honestly, with all of the lies, with all of the agendas, things can be very complicated and confusing for us. And so the question is, is that in, in the midst of these lies, in the midst of these agendas from the world, 
how do we navigate successfully? And the answer is we are to root our lives in Jesus. We are to root our lives in Jesus. So let me pause right here and remind you of our overarching truth for this series. The world complicates things for us. The enemy confuses things for us, but God's word makes things clear for us, and God's word points us to Jesus. I want, I want to highlight that phrase that I've been saying for the last several weeks. God's word makes things clear for us. It was the hints that this girl was giving us that made things clear for us. But understand, God has not just given us a book of hints. God has given us a book of truth. This is filled with his truth. And so when we turn to his truth, he makes things clear for us. And so let me encourage you, in the midst of this world, in the midst of the agendas, in the midst of the lies, turn to God's word. Go to God's word faithfully. Go to God's word consistently so that you might root your life in Jesus Christ each and every day. So we want to turn to God's Word together right now. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 1. Colossians 3, 18 through 4, 1. And as you're turning there, there are a couple of things that I want to say about this. First, as we think about the culture that we live in today, uh, there are some things in this passage that, that we're going to see that, that may be a little bit tougher for us to, to talk about. Uh, in particular, we're going to see two words. We're going to see the word submit, and we're going to see the word slavery. And so the temptation could be, as we look at this passage, the temptation could be to gloss over those things, or, or the temptation could be to skip this passage altogether so that we don't have to deal with some of these tougher things. But it's important to remember that this passage is a part of God's Word. And because it's a part of God's Word, it is God-breathed. And because it's God-breathed, it is useful for teaching, for correcting, for, for training and equipping so that we can be equipped for every good work. So let me pause right here and just give you an, an important practice when handling God's Word don't pick and choose, rather seek understanding. Don't pick and choose what you want to read, what you want to study. Simply seek understanding. There are times that we see things in Scripture that, that may be tougher for us to, to accept. It may be tougher for us to understand because our, our culture has rejected these things. But yet they're still to be applied to our lives today. But also there are times that we see things in Scripture that were very much in the context of the culture at that time. And so they are to be applied differently today. And so it's important for us to seek understanding so that we can rightly apply God's word to our lives. And so as we look at this passage today, as we look at God's word today, my desire is that we will, we will gain some understanding. We will walk away with some understanding so that we can rightly apply this passage to our lives. But the second thing that I want you to see is that God is a God of order. God is a God of order. If you think to the, the book of 1 Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians is a letter to the Corinthian church who at that time were very disorderly. And so Paul's letter to the church is giving these instructions for order within the church, how things are to operate within order. God is a God of order. And just as God has established order, just as he has created and designed order for the church, he has also created and designed order for our marriages, 
for our families and even for our working relationships. And so I believe that when we operate within, within God's created design for order, things are going to just work better. And I believe this because I believe this truth. God's ways are bigger than me, and, and God's ways are better than mine. God's ways are bigger than me, and God's ways are better than mine. And, and because his ways are bigger than me, because his ways are better than mine, when I'm willing to submit to his created design, when I'm willing to operate within his created design for order, things are just going to work better. All right, with that in mind, let's read our passage now. Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 4, 1. It says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched and people uh, as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance uh, from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. All right. So as we look at this passage today, I want to highlight some, some verses, some phrases that we see in this passage that really should be an overarching guide for understanding this passage. In the second part of verse 18, we read, as is fitting in the Lord. Second part of verse 20 says, for this pleases the Lord. The very end of verse 22 says, fearing the Lord. We see in verse 23, done for the Lord and not for people. And verse 24 says, you serve the Lord Christ. So there are a couple of things that I want to say about these phrases right here. First, our lives are to be lived in full submission to Jesus Christ. Our lives are to be lived in full submission to Jesus Christ. I cannot stress this enough. Our relationship with Christ is absolutely the most important relationship that we have, and it's the most important relationship that we can ever have. It is a relationship that we need. And so if you are a believer, if you've given your life to Christ, understanding who Christ is in your life, your Lord, then, then you are to live in full submission to him. Now, if you've never given your life to Christ, then understand the first step for you is to give your life to Christ, to begin that relationship with Jesus Christ. And the beautiful thing is, is that you can do that today because more than 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross. He came into this world, went to the cross to die on the cross for your sins and mine. He was buried in a tomb. He rose again three days later victoriously. And if we will turn from our sins, turning to him, allowing him to be the Lord of our life, confessing his lordship, believing the truth that God's word says about Jesus, we will be saved. We will be transformed. We will be redeemed. But what happens is that when you begin this relationship with Christ and when you begin to submit to Jesus as your Lord, you will begin to see that, that your relationship with Christ begins to impact 
the other relationships in your life as well. And so the second thing that I want you to see is that our relationship with Christ should impact our relationship with others. Our relationship with Christ should impact our, our relationship with others. Really, this, this passage is dealing in large part with our relationships with other people. But what I want you to see here is that our relationship with Christ is central to all of the other relationships that we have. You know, when we talk about our relationship with Christ, many times we might say that, man, Christ is first. And so if, if we just use my hand as the example, right, we might say Christ is first, point to our first finger, Christ is first, then we have uh, our marriage, then we have our family, then we have our friends, and maybe over here we have our relationship with our employer, right? But really, the best model for our relationship with Christ, for understanding where Christ is to be positioned in our lives, is not necessarily saying that Christ is on the first finger here. Really, is to point to the palm of your hand, right? Because Christ is central, and all of these other relationships spring forth from this central relationship being impacted. You know, if I don't have the palm of my hand, uh, my fingers are not going to operate the way they should. In fact, I probably don't have fingers at all if I don't have the palm of my hand, right? But because I have the palm of my hand, all of my fingers operate the way they're supposed to. When we have our relationship with Christ and, and when he is central to, to our lives and to our relationships, then all of these other relationships spring forth from our relationship with Christ and they operate the way they're supposed to. And so as we understand this, now I want us to look at these relationships that we see lined out here in Scripture uh, so that we can see uh, how these relationships are to be impacted by our relationship with Christ, all right? So first, our relationship with Christ should impact our marriages. Our relationship with Christ should impact our marriages. Let's read verses 18 to 19 again. It says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter towards them. Our relationship with Christ should impact our marriages. Now, as we think about the word submission, right, because we see wives submit to your husbands, uh, understand that word submission is not a bad word, all right? We may think of it as a bad word, but, but I want you to hear this. Christ, God the Son, in the garden of Gethsemane, when he cried out to the Father, God the Son submitted to the Father's will, right? That word submission is not a bad thing. Here, God the Son and God the Father, they are one together. Just as husband and wife are called to be one, God the Son, God the Father are one, and yet we see Christ submit to the Father's will. That word submission is not a bad word. But our, our world really wants that word to be a bad word because in our world, right, and sometimes even in our own hearts and our own lives, we desire to submit to no one. Out of our own pride, out of our own rebellion, we want to submit to no one. But is that really what God has called us to? A God who is a God of order, has he really called us to submit to no one? And the answer is, of course not, right? Because he is a God of order, he has plans that are bigger than our plans and better than our plans. And so as he lays out this plan for order, he says, wives, submit to your husbands. Now, why are wives called to submit to their husbands? Is it because 
God thinks that, that women are not equal with men? Or is it because God is a sexist? And, and the answer is absolutely not. In fact, Scripture teaches us that all of mankind are equal in God's eyes, and we are all able, re able regardless of, of race or gender, we are all able to come to God through the cross to be redeemed, to, to receive salvation. We are equal in God's eyes. So why is it then that God calls wives to submit to their husbands? I want you to hear this. Because our marriages are meant to be a reflection of Christ's relationship with the church. Our marriages are meant to be a reflection of Christ's relationship with the church. Throughout the New Testament, we see this image painted for us that the church is the bride of Christ, that Christ is the groom, and the church is to live in full submission to Jesus Christ. And so God has literally given mankind a living example of this beautiful relationship between Christ and the church through our marriages. And so I believe that this is the primary reason that the marriage relationship has been under attack, not just by the world, but, but really by the author of lies, by, by Satan himself. Right? The marriage relationship has been under attack from the big beginning of time because our enemy's desire is to distort this image, to distort this, this relationship that God has given us to point back to the relationship of Christ and the church. And so wives are, are not told to submit to their husbands because God is a sexist or because God doesn't think that, that women are equal to men. But God calls wives to submit to their husbands because God has a greater image. He has a greater plan. His desire is to display something greater than simply a marriage between a man and a woman. He wants to point back to himself. But husbands, understand, right? You are not off the hook. We are not off the hook. Because the second part of that verse says, Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter towards them. Husbands, we have a weighty responsibility because, because really you are to be worthy of your wife's submission. You are to be worthy of your wife's submission. And the example that we have is Christ who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. You see, Jesus didn't just give some of his love to us. Jesus gave all of his love to us. He held nothing back. So let me pause right here and say this to husbands. Husbands, you have not been given a position of power to lord it over your wives. You have been given a position of love to lavish it on your wife. It's not a position of power to lord it over your wife. You have been given a position of love to lavish it on your wife. And can I just tell you, if you will pour out your love for your wife, the way Christ poured out his love for the church, holding nothing back, 
then your wife will see you as worthy of her submission. Man, it's going to make it a lot easier. If you are loving your wife, pouring out your love for your wife, it's going to become a lot easier. It's going to become natural for your wife to fulfill this call. And so as wives submit to husbands and as husbands love their wives, then, then we see that we are able, we are able to operate the way God desires for us to, and we're going to point back to Christ's relationship with the church, and, and the whole world is going to be able to see this. So our relationship with Christ should impact our marriages. Second, our relationship with Christ should impact our families. Let's read verses 20 through 21 again. It says, Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so they won't become discouraged. Our relationship with Christ should impact our families. I think we have a good reminder here. Parents are to be the authority in the home. Parents are to be the authority in the home. Now, I realize this sounds like common sense, right? Of course, parents are supposed to be the authority in the home. But more and more in our world today, it seems like parents are allowing their children to make decisions that they are not ready to make yet. And so parents have to remember that that. We are called to guide our children. We are called to instruct our children, to train our children so that they can have a true understanding of right from wrong and truth from lies so that one day they can grow up and teach their children to do the same. So let me pause right here and say this. Parents, children are not to lead you. You are to lead your children. Your children are not to lead you. You are to lead your children. And children, you are to obey your parents that you might learn right from wrong, that you might learn truth from lies, that you might be, be able to walk in a right relationship with the Lord, that you might grow and know how to live in this life and know how to train your children in the future as well. But not only do we see this call for for parents to uh, or for children to obey their parents but we also see this call for fathers not to exasperate their children and i believe we see this call on fathers specifically for a couple of reasons by the way happy father's day if you're here all right <laughs> if you're a father don't exasperate your children Right? I think we see this for a couple of reasons. First, many times it is the, the mothers that have that more nurturing side. That may not always be the case, right? Everybody's different. But, but typically speaking, it is the mothers that have the more nurturing side, and fathers tend to lead with a heavy hand, right? And so Paul gives this reminder, don't exasperate, don't frustrate your children so that it will be easy for them to walk in obedience to you. In other words, fathers, lead your children with grace. Lead your children with grace that they might be able to fulfill their call to obey their parents. But the second reason I believe that, that this is directed to fathers is because we as fathers will be our children's first understanding of their heavenly father. We as fathers are going to be our children's first understanding of their heavenly father. And so, again, I believe this is why the enemy wants to destroy homes, to have broken homes, to have fathers not present, because the enemy's desire is for children to grow up not fully understanding what their heavenly father looks like. So children, obey your parents, but fathers, don't 
exasperate your children. So our relationship with Christ should impact our marriages. It should impact our families. Finally, this morning, our relationship with Christ should impact our working relationships. Let's read verse 22 again. It says, slaves obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but wholeheartedly, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Our relationship with Christ should impact our working relationships. Now, before we talk about our working relationships, let me simply address that word slaves there, because I think the common question could be, uh, just like we might ask, is God a sexist? We might ask, is God a supporter of slavery? Undoubtedly, no. God is not a supporter of slavery. In fact, if you look back to the Old Testament, the Israelites are enslaved in Egypt. What does he do with Moses? He sends Moses to, to Egypt to free the Israelites from slavery. And, and when Pharaoh goes after the Israelites with the armies, God engulfs the armies in the Red Sea preventing the Israelites from being enslaved once again by Egypt. So is God a God, uh, or is God a supporter of slavery? Absolutely not. But slavery was a part of the culture at that time. Now, now sometimes, sometimes uh, people were uns- enslaved unjustly, just like as we think about American slavery, right, in, in our history. There, there were slaves that were enslaved unjustly, and there were also slaves that indentured themselves, that voluntarily went into slavery so they could pay off debt or so that they could have a roof over their head uh, so that they would have food to eat. But really, Paul's desire wasn't to address whether slavery was right or wrong. Paul's desire was to simply address people right in the area of life where they found themselves. He wanted to address people right in the area of life where they found themselves. There were some that were married, there were some that had children, and there were some that were slaves and some that had masters. And so Paul was simply saying, wherever you find yourself in this life, God's word is applicable to you. Wherever you find yourself in this life, Christ is to be central to your relationship with others. Now, thankfully, slavery is not predominant in our culture today, although it is still around in other countries. But in our culture, we don't have slavery. And so we can look at this passage and we can we can apply this to our working relationships, because while we're not slaves, we do have jobs. And while we don't have masters, we do have bosses. And so we can apply this to our working relationships. So let me pause right here and say this, you can be an example of the Lord in your workplace. As we understand that, that we are not to work simply for ourselves, as we understand we're not to work to be people pleasers, but we are to work in fear of the Lord, in submission of the Lord, that we are doing this all for the Lord, right? We can be an example of the Lord in our workplace. Jesus can be on display in all that we say, in all that we do with our coworkers and with our bosses. And so if you have a job, then let me encourage you, don't, don't just work for yourself and don't just work for a paycheck. Work with a purpose, and that purpose is to bring glory and honor to Christ and to show Christ to others. As we wrap up today, listen, as we allow Christ to be central to, to our relationships, as we submit to Him as we allow him to impact all of our other relationships, we're going to see that all of our relationships simply work better. We're not going to find this in the world, but we do find this in his word. And so let me encourage you, follow God's order 
for what he has called us to. Now, if you're here today and you would say that you don't have a relationship with Christ, then I want to give you the opportunity to have that relationship, to respond today. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond. And if you've never given your life to Christ, if you would say, I've got plenty of relationships with other people, but I don't have that most important relationship with Jesus Christ, then as we sing this song, I would invite you. I'm going to be standing right down front. Step out of your seat and come and join me. Let's talk. Let's pray. Today, you can know Jesus Christ as Lord. And maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, but I haven't taken that step of baptism, just like Angelina did this morning. Baptism doesn't save us. But it is the perfect picture of that new life that we have received in Christ. And it's something that we've all been called to do as a believer. And so if you've given your life to Christ, but you've never taken that step of baptism, then I would invite you to respond as well. We can talk. We can pray. We've got more baptisms coming up on the schedule. I'd love to get your scheduled as well. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've been baptized already by immersion. I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale. I know God is calling me to make this my church home. If that's you, I would invite you to respond as well. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments as we sing, would you simply respond obediently? Let's sing together right now and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.